0: When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Congratulations to U.S. Representative Ron Kind. He's retiring from Congress officially on January 3rd when the new Congress starts session. He's represented District 3 since 1997, and it's fair to say that he was a key player for agriculture as a member of the House Ways and Means Committee, where trade was a focus. Congressman Kine joins Midwest Farm Report to reflect on his career, what he's left on the table, and where he sees egg policy going in the new year.
1: Well, first of all, it's been a great honor being able to represent your home area, in a large, rural, western Wisconsin district for 26 years. It's a long time. A lot of running back and forth to Washington traveling around the beautiful 19 counties that I had responsibility for. I'm really going to miss that aspect, getting out and about, visiting family farmers, listening to what they're up against, and just seeing the incredible hard work that they put in every day for our food security system that, unfortunately, too many Americans take for granted in this country. Uh, And you get to this point in your career where you wish you could have accomplished more, and I certainly feel that way. We've lost too many family farmers to bankruptcies over the last couple decades, many, many of them are still struggling with high fixed costs and the fluctuation of the commodity market. Our dairy producers, man, that's 24-7. If there's anyone I've got great respect for throughout the years, it's our dairy producers because they've got to milk it every time, and they're subject to all the increase in the fixed costs that they face, especially now with supply chain issues and fertilizer problems and all that adds up. So I wish we could have been more thoughtful and creative in what we could do to better support them uh, uh, these recent years. But the the next farm bill's up, and it's an opportunity really to get into these programs and see what's working and what isn't working. So I was having a long conversation, actually, with Glenn Thompson, my uh, friend from Pennsylvania, who's going to be the new chair of the Agriculture Committee, going over some of the things that I've been working on through the years and getting a sense from him where he sees the next farm bill going, and he's excited to take on that challenge and Hopefully, the Congress will be able to work in a very constructive and bipartisan way uh, in order to produce a good farm bill that makes sense for not just our farmers, but for rural economic development and the broadband expansion that we need in rural America. And all those things are encompassed in the Farm Bill.
0: And just to remind listeners, Glenn Thompson is a Pennsylvania Republican who will lead the House Egg Committee. And your conversations with him, Congressman Kind, what was the sense that you got? What is he excited about when it comes to the 2023 Farm Bill? Any insight you have for us on what's definitely a goal in that piece of legislation?
1: Well, in the category of unfinished business, he and I have teamed up on the chronic wasting disease bill that we're hoping to have included in the final omnibus budget, but it passed unanimously. In the House earlier this year ninety nine senators don 't have a problem with it, but because of the arcane Senate rules, one senator can put a hold on anything and that 's what Rand Paul has done and We know you know the problem that chronic wasting disease is for rural parts of America certainly impacted us in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania too. Outdoor recreation is a huge part of our economy. Um, I love to hunt like most people do uh, uh, in Wisconsin. And there's incredible research being done with prion diseases in various universities. So this bill would increase some funding for that research, also funding for testing so we can track where it's spreading and get out ahead of it. And like I said, it's, it's been bipartisan and non-controversial except for one senator. So Glenn and I are still hard at work together to see if we can get that done. But, no, he's optimistic that uh, we're going to be able to put together a good farm bill, um, not just the Title I programs, you know, those cer- certain safety net programs. Uh, for commodity producers but a strengthening of the conservation title which I've always been very active on. You know, these are voluntary and incentive-based land and water conservation programs and I've always wanted to make sure that our most precious uh, commodity, our topsoil, is not our biggest export, flowing into the rivers and streams and heading down south. And farmers want to do it. I mean, more of them are turned away from conservation funding assistance than what's available just because of the demand. They, they want to be good, good stewards. There's more room for improvement with agricultural research. There's a lot of exciting things happening there to help them be more efficient, more productive, more cost-efficient, uh, too. And, again, some of the rural development programs and the broadband programs will be very important with this next Farm Bill.
0: Congressman, you've been a longtime proponent of trade in your role with the House Ways and Means Committee As you exit Congress, how do you feel about the Biden administration's trade agenda going forward?
1: Well, we're off the rails, and I've been working closely with the Biden administration to get us back on the rails, get us back in the game, so that we're out there negotiating market access trade agreements. This is vitally important for our farmers, for rural America. I mean, we have the best producers in the world. We have a hungry world that needs to be feed. Let's try to make that easier for farmers to export their product and get it to the countries and the people who need it. But First thing up, we have to pass trade promotion authority. And again, I, uh, last time it was up, I worked closely with Paul Ryan and other Republicans to get uh, trade promotion authority passed Congress, giving the administration the authority to go out and negotiate these trade agreements. And my concern is the rest of the world's not waiting for us. They're moving on. They're striking these uh, bilateral, multilateral trade agreements without us. And that's not good, because it further isolates us. It leaves us at a competitive disadvantage. I'm talking to the administration, including the president himself, about the need to develop a plan to get us back into that Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade uh, Agreement. We helped negotiate it, we led, and then we end up being on the outside looking in. And that's the fastest growing economic region in the world, the Pacific Rim area. It makes no sense for us not to be included in that agreement. Yes, we can modify it. We can ask for some changes to make more people comfortable getting in. But this is crucial for our agriculture producers, Um, and besides, the structural reforms that we want China to make are all contained in this TPP trade agreement with enforceability. So at some point in the future, I'm sure China's going to want to join too. That then would give us the enforcement mechanisms to demand from China better IP protection, stopping forced tech transfers or uh, joint uh, ventures that they require. And uh, you know there's state subsidized industries which are in violation of global trade rules. All those would be contained in the trade agreement, and if China doesn't abide, we would have tools to sanction them uh, along with many, many other countries. so it 's not just us acting alone. That makes logical sense to me, so hopefully the administration, by working with Congress, will figure out a way for us to to get back into that agreement. And and truly be a a leader when it comes to a rules-based global trading system, which is important, not just for our farmers, but for our manufacturers and for the American consumer, too, and and the workers in every one of our states.
0: It's similar to what we're hearing, too, from our federal agriculture groups, whether it's the U.S. Dairy Export Council or the U.S. Meat Export Federation, they always say they're continuing to push the administration for more free trade agreements or trade agreements in general. But what's holding the administration back?
1: Well, you know, the first two years of any administration, it's more of a domestic focus. I mean, that just kind of is the way it works. But now I'm hopeful that with divided government and, and the fact that in reality, President Biden's domestic agenda is going to slow down a lot in the House, there may be a bipartisan opportunity to advance a more robust trade agenda. And that would, I think, start with bringing up trade promotion authority. And Republicans will need to cooperate with the administration and vice versa in order to reach agreement on that. And that would then give the administration the authority to go out and start negotiating some bilateral and multilateral trade agreements uh, uh, in the future, uh, and I think that's going to be important. Because you know, trade is more than just goods and products and services and data now crossing borders. It's an important part of our national security and our national diplomacy. The closer you're able to trade with countries, you build up that trust, you build up that relationship, and it's easier then to have those security alliances and to have better diplomatic relations with these nations. So I think trade is a crucial component to world peace quite frankly. And and we should be there leading the world and, and showing how well it can be done by elevating standards to where we are, rather than trying to compete in a race to the bottom, which has not worked very well for us in the past.
0: Throughout our conversation, you've been emphasizing that you want Congress to move forward in a bipartisan fashion, especially around agriculture and trade. After nearly three decades in federal politics, what's changed since you started when it comes to bipartisanship or just the atmosphere on Capitol Hill?
1: You know, it's funny because a lot of people have been asking me what what have been my prouder accomplishments these last 26 years. And and really at the top of the list is uh, the consistency that I've had in being one of the most bipartisan members in all the rankings and all the surveys, because I've worked hard to reach across the aisle to develop those friendships and that level of trust and partner with uh, my Republican colleagues to find common ground, to get things done. And that's the best way for this place to work. And we need more of that. We need more representatives with that mindset that it just can't be your way or no way at all, or, or to view the other side as the enemy that needs to be destroyed. And I think t- in today's era, there's more of that latter, which is very concerning to me. I mean, when I first arrived, you can have honest, you know, heated policy debates, and that's fair game in any democracy. But now, there are too many who view the Uh, opposing party is something evil that needs to be destroyed, and I don't get that. I mean, I've had the luxury of representing a district, which is very much a swing district, 50-50, and I kept reminding my staff that if I'm not taking incoming fire from the far right and the far left, then I'm not doing a very good job of representing the district that I have, because I think there's more people in that sensible center of politics expecting the representatives to be grown-ups, get together, listen to each other and get things done, rather than a constant state of political warfare. And, and I just think there's too much of that uh, these days. And certainly the talking heads on TV don't help. They're always pushing buttons and getting people riled up. Social media now, it's much easier for people to organize around hate speech and demonizing the other side with, with misinformation and fake news. And, and that's problematic for, for any democracy, and it's going to require all of us as citizens of this great country, to, to up our game and demand better of our representatives, but also of ourselves, so that um, we can find uh, more in common than and, and the differences that that the parties believe separate us.
0: So, looking ahead, Congressman, do you feel that your successor, your Wisconsin colleagues, your caucus in D.C., do you think that they can come together? You know, at least when it comes to the 2023 farm bill.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm hopeful. Uh, you know, farm bills have traditionally been uh, a bipartisan effort. Um, you know, I've also led the, the cause throughout the years to do a better job of means-testing these farm bills because in an inordinate amount of that Title I uh, program funding goes to a few but very large agribusinesses in our country, which I felt left our family farmers in Wisconsin at a competitive disadvantage, nor was it fiscally responsible. So I'm sure that will be a part of the discussion uh, as well. Um, but it's an important bill that uh, needs to get done. Our farmers need clarity as far as uh, what the future holds for them. And I just hope, and I'm advising my colleagues you know, in the next session, spend time, go home, listen to the producers, the farmers, understand what they're up against, what the challenges are. You know, they're not expecting miracles. and They're not expecting the government to prop them up. They just want a level playing field in which to compete, and to do their job, and to ultimately, at the end of the day, get a good market price so that they don't have to be reliant on government programs for their very survival. That's what I hear from my farmers every day, that give us a good market, let us be able to compete fairly, and we're going to be able to take care of ourselves.
0: So, Congressman, once you officially exit this role, what's next for you? Are we thinking full retirement, or do you have other plans?
1: Well, it's interesting. Obviously, Tawny's been a real partner through all this, a real trooper for well, 28 years when you think about our first campaign. That's a lot of time. That's been a lot of Miss Family time, and uh, she's had this nice career as an official court reporter back home with one of the local judges that she's uh, planning on stepping down from the beginning of March. It's going to give her more uh, flexibility. But I've had some discussions with the White House. There are a couple of assignments that they may, help, may need some help on, so we're uh, exploring that uh, opportunity to continue serving in a different capacity. Uh, I've had an itch to teach, maybe get into the classroom, um, so I may uh, pursue that. I'd certainly love to stay involved in the trade policy arena. I think that's so important for our country and for our economy uh, back home in Wisconsin, so if there's a role for me to play on uh, trade policy as we move forward. So it's an exciting time. You know, there'll be things I'll miss serving in Congress, certainly many of my colleagues. uh, I'll I'll miss the responsibility of representing a great congressional district and getting out in those communities on a regular basis and finding out uh, uh, ways to help. Uh, But there'll also be many aspects I won't miss, (laughs) the fundraising, the campaigning, how how partisan things have gotten, how polarized in our country. Uh, And again, I think uh, I'm hoping to have a positive role of changing that with a higher level of discourse and civility, which is desperately needed in public service today.
0: Congressman Ron Kind will be officially retired from his role representing District 3 on January 3rd when the new Congress starts session. As you heard, he may decide to continue to serve in some capacity But until then, he's along with us outlining what we can expect to happen on Capitol Hill regarding Farm Bill 2023. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.